Our text for this morning is from our gospel, John chapter 16, verses 23 to 24. Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. In the name of Jesus. It was on Thursday evening, Monday Thursday, just before he suffered and died, that Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper with the disciples and spoke these very words, his last words to them as a group. And all that is covered if you want to read about it in John chapters 13 through 16. And so our text for today is that final section of what Jesus said to them before his death. And the disciples seemed confident, but in truth, they were quite immature. But even in the midst of their immaturity, Jesus does not cast them aside. For even after this section follows Jesus' prayer to the Father, John 17. But in John 16, the words to the disciples have come to an end. So let's be honest. How confident are you right now, this day, today, in that day, Jesus says? Well, what day is that? What day is it that that holds the center place of your life? Hebrews chapter 3 both warns us and comforts us regarding that day, regarding Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now, during the three years of Jesus' ministry, the disciples showed their immaturity again and again. So you're in good company. For example, when he fed the 5,000, he presented the problem to them, but they were at a loss as to what to do. In the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus announced his betrayal, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. He did this three times. But every time it did it, every time he proclaimed this to the disciples, it grieved them. And so on this Thursday evening, Monday, Thursday, the disciples again ask immature questions. And at the end of this discourse, in the midst of their immaturity, the disciples think that what Jesus had just prophesied about had already come. And so they seemed very confident. But Jesus criticizes them. He asked them this question, do you now believe? And then in verse 32 of our text, he warns them of their immaturity, quote, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, 
when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Kind of ironic, is it not? Jesus says that his disciples, his followers, his believers will be scattered to their homes, sheltering in place. In the midst of that, the temptation to leave him alone, to forget about his promises, to forget about his holy and righteous and powerful word, to lose hope, to live in fear. And what Jesus says in verse 32 happened exactly as he had predicted. For the disciples, because of their lack of faith, they abandoned him in the garden of Gethsemane. They ran away. They failed to attend his trial. They were not there in the courtroom, cheering for him, speaking up, coming forward as witnesses of these things. And John, John's the only one that went to Calvary. Remember when Jesus gave John to his mother and his mother to John? And on Saturday and Sunday, what were they doing? They were sheltering in place, locking themselves in their room. They were scared of anything and everything. They proved their lack of faith in immaturity. Now, don't read too far into the connection I'm making here. It's all about faith. After Jesus' final words to his disciples on what we call Monday Thursday, after his final sermon to them recorded in John 16, it was only a few hours later after that in the garden that the disciples then ran from the Jewish authorities and the Roman soldiers. They had heard this wonderful, powerful sermon, but they did what sinners do. They ran away and hid. And they were in tribulation. They were in turmoil within their soul. The stress, the anxiety, it really got to them. But even though they didn't realize it at the time, the peace of God still went with them. And the peace of God still goes with you. Wherever you find yourself, sheltering in place, out and about, in the midst of of worries and fears of, of your investments or paycheck or school or whatever, the peace of God went with them and the peace of God goes with you. Consider these words from Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because we are justified by faith in Jesus, God is not angry with us. God is not raining down hellfire and brimstone and taking away all your toys and pleasures of this life. The disciples fell into that immaturity. They thought God was angry at them. But He was not. You see, this peace of God guarded their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus. The same way that you are guarded, clothed, robed, protected in your baptism. We had two baptisms yesterday. What a joy it was to wash these these little tiny children 
And parents, if you're listening and watching today, these are all the assurances now that you have for your children from God's holy word, the promises that He makes. That's why we as believers baptize our children. It's why when we we come to faith and we grab that, we desire that, and we live in it daily, we have this peace. And how precious that is. Philippians 4 verse 7, it's a blessing that ends a lot of our prayer offices, goes like this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A lot of pastors end their sermons with that text. The peace of God for you, you have it. And so it was the peace of God that came to the disciples and comes to you. It's not peace that the world gives. So if you're looking for peace outside of the Word of God, outside of faith, outside of what Christ has done for you, outside of His gifts, you will never, ever, ever find it. It's part of the exclusivity of Christianity, of Jesus being the only way to the Father and the only way to peace. And even though the disciples were about to desert him, Jesus says of them, and he says to you as well, be of good courage, my dear sheep. Be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. Consider as well 1 John 5 verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Are you connecting the dots? Christ has overcome the world. You connected now with Christ in baptism, in faith. And as such, you are victorious. Our flesh and the world often overcome us. But because Christ has overcome the world, we share now in His victory. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. You have that now. You have that in this day. You have that today. And so we, we are in a much better place. In the midst of our immaturity, we have everything we need now. We must repent, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we must repent of our doubt, our fear, our worry. And get this, we are even at an advantage over the disciples during Jesus' lifetime. That's right. Because we still live in the Pentecost. In the time that has the whole Word of God in the Bible. In the time of the great reformation of the church. All of this Jesus promises in verses 23 to 28 from our Gospel text. And allow me, if you will, to summarize that. Number one, he says, the time will come. When they will ask no questions. No questions of him. What is he referring to? The time will come when they will ask no questions of doctrine. You see, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit who gave us what? In the past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us through his Son. He has given us the Holy Scriptures. And it is the Scriptures that lead us in all truth. We do not and should not ask for further revelation, for special signs and dreams. For some reason, last night, I had some 
crazy dreams. Have you ever had a night like that? And I had to wake up because I'm getting older to go use the restroom. And in the midst of that, as I was doing that, I was trying to remember the dream that I was in before I, my bladder woke me up. And then I went back to bed and I started another cycle of dreams. And I'm not even going to tell you about it because those dreams can be really silly and crazy all at the same time. But it was just wham, bam, one dream after another Now, it would be easy to say, oh, God has given me this dream and I must apply this to fill in the blank. God does not work that way, folks. He's given you what you need through Holy Scriptures. Do not look to your dreams. Do not look to visions. Do not look for some sort of new information or revelation apart from Holy Scripture. Don't fall into that trap. It is the Scriptures that lead us in all truth. The triune God has given us this whole truth in the New Testament, which is the fulfillment of the truth. Number two, Jesus says the time will come. The time will come when the disciples, when you, can bring any spiritual or physical need to Jesus, and he assures us that he will answer. That's what he means in verses 23, 24, and 26. Jesus now becomes a mediator for you, and his mediatorship is so complete that we can now go directly to the Father. You are the Father's dear children in Christ Jesus. Luther hammers this home over and over again in his catechisms. He says, we can come to our Heavenly Father as earthly children approach their earthly father." When you were younger, did you ask your dad for things? Did you have needs? Both mom and dad? Of course you did. Stuff maybe that you didn't need but you wanted? You absolutely made sure that they knew. You dropped hints all the time. How much more should you not do so with your Father in heaven? Let him know what your spiritual and physical needs are. Take them to him. Hebrews 10 tells us this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near to Him, not just in worship, but in prayer, in holy conversation. And Hebrews continues, doing this in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean. Being baptized, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So allow me to summarize one more time. Do you have questions, Jesus says, about what God says? Go to the Bible. Do you have spiritual or physical needs? Then request them in Jesus' name. He has accomplished this for you. When should you do this? In that day. Today. Today you live in faith. Jesus prepares the disciples for all that He will do for them and for you. The shedding of His holy blood, His burial there in the tomb, His glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday, and as we will celebrate this Thursday, His ascension into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God so that you may know that that there is one who, who yet oversees all things, receives your prayers, is in charge of it all. So don't wish yourself back to the days before COVID-19. Don't wish yourself back to the days of the disciples. Through Christ's atoning sacrifice for you, His holy blood, you have all that you need to support your body and life.
He's given you His name, signed, sealed, and delivered in the waters of holy baptism, that you may call upon Him in every trouble, pray praise, and give thanks. When I was in eighth grade, <laughs> it was a, a year that we moved. We moved from one city to another city. It was a, a new school. It was, it, was, it was new people. And I had my eye on a certain girl that you recognize and know quite well. She thought when I was in eighth grade that I had my eye on her best friend, but I really didn't. But I remember like it was yesterday sitting in, in choir practice for our school choir there in our Lutheran school. And I remember not only looking over at her and trying to make sure that I caught her attention and her eye, I remember trying to sing well and sing loud and to look stoic as much as a prepubescent eighth grader can look. And I remember a text that we sang. It was based on our Old Testament text from last Sunday. Isaiah 12, verse 16. You will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. You will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, proclaim that His name is exalted. Bom, 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 bom. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. In that day, today, every day, you sing that song in faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Christ is risen.